in the south of Adonai's word in Parshas Ra'ai. Actually, a word that the Atelier Tzvi brings in Parshas Vayayru. So he brings a, a Gedank from Ramosh Pshavorska. Ramosh Pshavorska brings a Mushal. Now, when somebody has an Eved, he has a servant, a slave, and he's afraid the whole time that he's going to run away from him, he doesn't trust him. What does he do? Whenever he goes anywhere with him, he makes him walk in front of him. Like this, he's behind him, and he can see where he's going. Like this, there's a, a trust. Now, he knows that he's not going anywhere. But if he has a servant who he does trust, or slave, that he's not, well, he's not afraid that he's going to run away from him, um, then, of course, he walks behind him. The master always walks first. The way it should be is that the slave should be walking behind the master, but you don't trust him. You know, the police, when they arrest someone, they, they walk the guy in front of them, so he doesn't run away, obviously. You know, it's an issue of, of trust. And, and he says that this Mushal Malitz is our relationship with Hashem. So the Atayah Svi touches the Pusik this week, Achra Hashem Lekaychem Talaychi. You should walk behind Hashem. You should have a relationship with Hashem, where Hashem trusts you and sees your loyalty and your dedication. Hashem doesn't have to watch over you all the time. No, He knows that you're following. That Hashem should have the trust in us that we're going to do what He wants without holding a stick over our heads, without uh, you know, having to force us to do, to do His rutsin. Now, in today's uh, day and age, right, in the secular world, the idea of ladies first, uh, I, don't, I don't think that was the concept to put the ladies first that they don't run away and that they're controlled. On the contrary, ladies first always means that they, you know, we let them go first. They have the, the right away. But obviously, when it comes to when it comes to Yiddishkeit, that's not the way it goes. The husband goes first, and he's the driver and the pilot and the boss, and not in a controlling way. Chazav shulim, but you know, So if she's the Ishakshaida, she should be able to follow her husband's lead, and uh, he should be able to trust in that. On the other hand, I think part of a husband being a leader is trusting that somebody will lead and letting them follow and letting them follow. Which means it's not just a trust that you're so afraid of me that I can just do whatever I want and you're going to follow like a tatala. No. I'm leading. I'm the husband. You're, you're following because you're the wife. And I'm going to let you follow the way you feel comfortable following. I think this is a balance that so often gets distorted. I mean, Chazal definitely teach that a, a woman should be doing kol maseyu al-piv. She should be doing everything that her husband wants, and being a sachain by her husband, and making sure that he's happy with what she does. On the other hand, you're not supposed to implement too much fear at home. And the point is not to not let her out of the house, which Chazal, the Ramam talks about that, obviously not a good way to go. You know, Making sure that a woman can't do anything that you don't let, that's not how it should be. So there's, there's a balance. There's a balance of a woman knowing her position of following, and a, a balance of a husband letting her follow, which I think is... is Everything's about balance, and when people get it right, it's always so helpful. So with that, let me address something, which was addressed a few times already, actually. But you know, as long as people are asking the questions, I'll try to answer them with Hashem's help. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much for your clear and guiding speeches. I look forward to listening to them every week. Thank you. I had a follow-up question regarding your speech on Parshas Vayishlach, about how obligated a wife is to make her husband feel happy. During that speech, you discuss how some men dictate what their wives wear from head to toe. That basically describes my husband in a nutshell. Berksham is very nice and caring, but when it comes to clothing, he'll dictate everything I wear, from asking me to show him an outfit before I order it, and usually nixing it, and even ordering clothing for me, saying that if a wife doesn't know how to dress, her husband has to do it for her. We're married for a few years, Berksham, and I feel like I haven't really gotten anything new since then, due to him saying no to everything I want to get, and I barely have clothes due to him not liking most of I got married with. We've discussed this before, but my husband says that he was into clothing as a kid, and his mother and siblings always come to him for advice, so why wouldn't I want to listen if he just means my best interest in mind? How do I go about this? 
Okay, so if I recall correctly, we discussed this quite a few times already, uh, the issue with men controlling what women, wives, are wearing. Um, on the one hand, like I say, every so often when questions keep on coming in about something, it, it goes to show, uh, maybe unfortunately, how, how normal and common um, this issue is. Sometimes people that are dealing with things, they get comforted just by hearing other people ask about it, and especially if it's asked about a few times already, I guess, uh, you know, this happens more often than you'd think. Um, I will add, what somebody pointed out to me, I used to add more often, um, but with, with, with husbands and wives, very often a lot of these questions could be the same the other way around. Obviously with a woman's um, dressing, there's more to it, let's call it, more detail and more fashion and more style and more choices, whereas with a man there's less, but I hear it both ways. Enough men that tell me that, that their wives are busy telling them how to dress and what to dress and, and what to wear and what not to wear, things like that, you'd be surprised. Um, in any case, so I discussed this quite a few times and maybe some of it will be a review and some will try to throw in some new ideas. Let me just clarify. I don't know if I have all the facts. Um, I don't know if your husband's making reasonable demands or you're being unreasonable or why you don't have anything new in the past few years if he didn't let you buy or you didn't let him buy or or there's like a checkmate thing where, where neither you want to let the other one um, control so you're busy wearing the same thing for five years already. I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I'm mentioning it because... Because, uh, I don't know, maybe it's unclear. I've seen situations where people get into these stalemate situations over what to buy, and then we, and then we don't buy anything. The kind of car that he wants to buy, she doesn't let. The kind of car that she wants to buy, doesn't, um, he doesn't let. So they're busy driving this old jalopy that keeps on breaking down because we can't sign on what to buy. So nobody's buying anything. Uh, that's what it sounds like, and I'm just trying to pick up on who's controlling who. Whatever. My point is, I just, I just want to qualify that I might be missing some information. But what it sounds like, a woman who can't handle that her husband's dictating what she wear, that's what I'm pointing out, it doesn't sound like he's really dictating, it sounds like he's trying to dictate, but in any case, um, it's, it doesn't seem healthy. Another thing I do want to mention, which is what I started off with before I go into this topic specifically, is definitely important for a woman to find favor in her husband's eyes. A woman who will just um, take the boundary card or the control card and say, listen, it's for me, it's not for you, and I'm dressing myself and I don't care what you want, it, it, it's a problem. It is a problem. Uh, especially when it comes to Nesiyah's Chayn and finding favor in the husband's eyes. There's definitely the idea also about dressing up for a husband and putting on makeup for a husband and, and doing things that you do for a husband that you don't do for other people. And people do it just the other way around. Trying to dress up and look good and attract other people and not the husband is definitely a big problem. So I'm, I'm mentioning that up front that I hope nothing I say will sound like I'm like I'm not realizing that, that that's how it should be. And I talk about this often. If it's a control issue or there's other issues, it could be a, a separate problem. But the fact that a woman is supposed to dress in a way that is attractive to and pleases her husband is definitely a totally good idea. Getting black and white, and um, no pun intended, I'm not talking about dressing in black and white, I'm saying when somebody gets too extreme, and now I'm just dressing for my husband, and I don't even care what I look like or care how I feel and how I'm dressing, and as long as you know, I'm, just a, I'm just a model, I'm just a stick that he's in the dress and, and, and decide what he likes and how it should be and what it should look like, obviously it doesn't need to make any sense. Right? It's, not, it's not toiletic, it's not the way it's supposed to be, I'm supposed to force them to do things they don't want. There has to be a, a, a healthy medium, which for some reason a lot of people don't know how to find. Um, but if, but, if, but if a woman wants to know if it does make sense that a husband has an opinion about what she dresses or how she looks, or it's totally not his business, I mean, the Torah definitely is encouraging women to dress in a way that the husbands find attractive and are pleased by if they care, and maybe they should care, etc. Now, one of the ideas that I talk about often, and some people maybe get 
tired of hearing me talk about it, is, is boundaries and control. One of the healthiest and most basic and fundamental components in a relationship in order for it to succeed and, and, and be consistently healthy is when there's healthy boundaries. We understand what belongs to me, what belongs to you, what belongs to both of us. Now I hear from people who tell me that they learned this from me and tried implementing this at home and their spouse can't handle it. Now if people can't handle it, that's a problem, but often it's a, it's a good sign. If somebody can't handle it, it means that, that this was very distorted till now and there's a lot of confusion about who's supposed to be making which decisions and who's controlling who without realizing it. And now that we try to break it down and realize, one second, this, shouldn't I be deciding this? Isn't it about me, not about you? And people get very ticked off by that. It's a good sign. It's a sign that this was very necessary to implement. Now, of course, it has to be implemented correctly. And, of course, mistakes could happen where people don't realize what belongs to who. But in general, the fact that what somebody does personally, they should ultimately be the one to be able to decide what they do. And if you're going to be deciding for someone else... With, with however you're going to, however you're going to um, 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 justify it or rationalize why it's really yours to decide, it's wrong and it doesn't make people happy. I could, I could say that what you dress in or, or how you daven or what you do or if you bench from a sitter, I could, I, could, I could explain to you how it affects me directly and it eats me alive and it causes me anxiety and this is my boundary to decide what makes me feel good. But that's ridiculous. I can tell you how people are going to look at me or, or treat me if you do that and then explain why now I'm allowed to decide because it's affecting me directly. But at the end of the day, it's yours to do and yours to decide. And, and in very many cases, it, it really is as simple as that. It really is as simple as that. Um, sometimes people think, you know what, I'll, I'll let the other person control what I do and it's just going to make it simpler and, and let it go. You could try it. But very often, I've seen many situations, even when it comes to dressing also, where people, you know what, you tell me what to wear for example. But it doesn't stop there. It starts going into detail. It starts becoming OCD. It starts becoming obsessive. I want you to wear this, and I want you to wear it this way, and I want you to wear it this long, and I want you to wear It's not helping to let someone control you. It's not healthy for anyone. It's not healthy for you. You feel resentful. You don't feel good about yourself. It's not healthy for the other person to get used to being in control of what you do. So very often, there are all the good reasons why people try to control someone else. I'll just give another another example that I was dealing with just the other week where somebody was controlling someone's decisions. Um and schedules, where they go and what they do and who they do it with and things like that. And when they were asked, you know, uh, isn't, do you think this is normal to tell your spouse the whole day what to do? The answer was, well, if I don't tell my spouse what to do, then my spouse, I'm trying to avoid the he or the she, but it doesn't make a difference, will do this or will do that or is not responsible, not intelligent enough to make decisions and I don't have a choice. So again, it's a nice justification for doing something inappropriate, but that's not the answer. If you're dealing with somebody who's not responsible enough to make decisions, or not intelligent enough to make decisions, or not trustworthy enough to make decisions, that doesn't mean that you can now make their decisions for them. It means that you have a problem, and it has to be dealt with, and it has to be brought up to, with somebody who could um, understand it better and see what to do about it. If you think that your wife, for example, and I'm talking to the woman who's writing, but let's just throw it the other way. If you think your wife, for whatever reason, doesn't understand at all how to dress, and the way she dresses, mamish, she looks like a shmata, and mamish is a disgrace for the family to a point where you feel the need to control her, uh, would you be comfortable discussing that with a third party and seeing if this is taka, so intolerable, that it now becomes a mitzvah and a chiv for you to dictate everything she does? Or might that third party say, you know, mm, it's not so terrible like you think it is. Or maybe someone else could decide what she should wear and she'll be happy having someone help her wear the right thing, but you don't have to tell them what it is. I'm saying it because the other situation I was talking about where you can't trust someone for whatever reason, it doesn't mean that you now have to dictate and control their life. It means that we have to come up with a solution for the, for the lack of trust or for the lack of responsibility or other things. 
So if your husband's not responsible enough or not trustworthy enough to bring home a paycheck, that doesn't mean that he has to now listen to you dictate what he has to do a whole day. It means that we have to discuss and know who can help us deal with the problem that he doesn't bring home the paycheck. But it doesn't mean that you become his mommy and you tell him what to do a whole day. So these are very, uh, very, very important points. Now, resisting control um, definitely has to be communicated with respect, also not to an extreme. My point wasn't that from now on, I'll not do anything that you ever tell me to, because it's not your place to tell me. You're allowed to do something someone tells you to. Um, obviously, if it's not coming across in an unhealthy and controlling and condescending way. But even when you do resist, there's a way to do it and communicate it respectfully. I'd love to do what you want. I want to make you happy. This makes me feel uneasy. Could we maybe discuss figuring out how to do it better? You know, there's so many ways that if you do this, if you, if you communicate it well, you take down the tension, you take down all those all the emotional challenge and difficulty that there is, and sometimes you'll see that your husband doesn't need you to do exactly what he wants, as long as he feels like you do understand him, do take him seriously, do try to please him, maybe. Another thing, um, you know, honoring a husband, and this is, again, here's where we get Jewish, honoring a husband is very important, just like honoring a father is important. And if your father tells you to dress a certain way, um, it's important to think about or to discuss with somebody how much and how little are you obligated to do exactly what he said. Now, this is a big halucha issue. Again, a father, even with an unmarried girl, father telling a girl, you have to do this. Dictating what she does. How obligated is she to do exactly what he told her to do? I'm not going to give you the answer to that question. Ask your of. Ask your of. Is he obligated? Is she obligated? Is, is a child obligated to do everything a parent tells them to do? Or maybe they don't have to do it exactly the parent wants, they just have to be respectful about it. I'm not going to go into the answer, there's different approaches to that question. But I think it's similar with a husband on some level. I think it's fine to tell your husband, listen, it seems that we're not really understanding each other well. Um, you seem to be telling me exactly what to do and I'm not doing it and I don't feel good about doing it. And would you be okay if I or we discuss it with Rav to make sure that, that we're not doing anything wrong over here? You don't want a husband to feel like you're, you're violating uh, what a good wife should be doing. So again, without getting extreme, there's probably a way to please your husband somewhat and to please yourself somewhat. And if you can't find that, then you communicate with respect why it's difficult for you, and who you might be comfortable discussing with so that both of you feel um, taken care of. In general, when it comes to extremes, this is just sitting on my mind because I spoke about it last week on the Kamavasashir, about extremes. Again, the way you're describing it, it sounds extreme. I don't know if it really is extreme, it's just how you see it. But anything extreme is no good. Anything extreme is no good. Um, extremes in general, the way Hashem made this world, is that you stay away from extremes. The Ramam talks about that. So if you have a husband who's very extreme about what he wants, or very extreme about how much he wants, and it's literally from head to toe, which I don't know if it is, again, that alone is a problem. It's a problem, and husbands should know it's a problem, wives should know it's a problem, and people should realize that there's one thing about asking someone to do something, there's another thing about demanding someone to do something, there's another thing about demanding something very specific, and there's another thing about demanding everything very specific. So anything that, that looks extreme might be a sign of somewhat of a bigger problem, or just something to be aware of, that for that reason alone... It could be a problem. Any extreme attitude or anything that's all-encompassing or anything that's very specific, these are all extreme examples. And, and for that alone, why aren't there more choices or flexibility or, or understanding? And again, I've, I've, it's important for me to clarify. I don't know if it's the way you're seeing it. It could be the one that's extreme. It could be you're resisting everything. And if I would ask your husband, you say, listen, I gave her a choice of 100 things and she's stuck on this one thing that she likes and she's being extreme. And when I told her, you know what, just your blouse, your skirt, my, okay, your, or just your shoes, and no, nothing. So I don't know who's dictating what and who's resisting what. I have no idea. Control is an issue. Boundaries is important. Respect and communication 
is, is vital, and extremes are no good. One thing I, I do want to mention, this is because either of the people who don't associate with this whole topic, or the people who are stuck too much in the topic, and too much and, and too upset about why other people care enough, let, let me just mention, it's interesting, but people do get very passionate about, about their clothing and how they dress, uh, to a point where people actually get obsessive about it. I don't mean to justify an obsessive husband or a resistant wife, or on the contrary, or, or, you know, I'm, I'm not taking sides. I just want to mention something so that people can understand themselves better, and of course the other person even better. Um, people, people definitely get very passionate about how they dress. It's interesting how most people wouldn't change their mode of dress. Now, I'm, again, I'm talking about maybe a lavouche or, or a, a way, a customary way of dressing. But it's interesting to see how most people wouldn't change their dress code, let's call it, you know, the, their choice of, of how they present themselves um, for a job or even for a shidduch, or even for things that are really important. That's how it is. Most people would, would resist doing a very good shidduch with a child if the condition of the shidduch is that from now on you have to change your hat. You're, you're used to wearing this kind of hat, you have to wear a different, a different hat, a bent-down hat, and then we'll do the shidduch. And let's say there's all the good reason for it. I'm not talking about a controlling machitin who's just crazy and, and unreasonable. Listen, he has a tzavua from his alta baba that he can only do a shidduch with such a person, and it's a great shidduch, you have wonderful einiklach. Everything's going to be gewaldig, and you'll be able to tell everyone that the reason you did it was because of the tzavu of the Baba. Are you willing to put on a bent-down hat to do the shidduch? Most people would say no. Now, we could debate if it's smart to say no, or, or silly to say no, or what's really the important things in life, and things like that. But it's just interesting to see how most people, that, that's, that's what it is. Most people, it comes taking a job even. You'll get a job as a magachir, but in order to be a magachir, you have to change the way you dress. Right? Or, or to become a teacher, or whatever. Uh, let's, let's say very many people, but it's probably most people would resist most changes, most significant changes, even when it comes to something very important like a career and financial uh, um, comfortability and a shidduch and other things. Or, even, or when it comes to so when it comes to Shalom bias, let's get to the most important thing in life probably, right? That's how it is. Now, like I said, instead of understanding why, why people do it or if it's right or wrong, it just goes to show how, how passionate people are about these things and how much people associate with what they look like. Very easy to, to laugh and say, oh, it's not important. Why, why are people saying this? It's funny how people who resist it, people who resist conforming to a certain dress code are just as unreasonable as the people who are implementing it or, or demanding it. Right? You have a lot of people that are resentful. Why does the school dictate how we dress? And you're right. It could be, and forget about going into why they do, it could be that it's unreasonable, it's not so important, like they make it and whatever. But why are you so passionate about not going along with that? Why are you just as passionate as they are when it comes to resisting what they want you to dress? They want you to dress like this. Why are you so, why are you so open against it? Because you don't feel comfortable like that. Well, why can't they not feel comfortable with people who are dressing different than what they feel comfortable with? I'm not saying they're right and you're wrong. I'm just pointing out that that's how people are. People are very passionate. There's a cute, um, there's a cute story from the, the Chazanish. Somebody asked him once that he has, he has a, a choice of two soifrim that are selling a, a mezizah. One charges more than the other. Why? Because this one wears a long jacket, which is considered more frivolous, wears a long jacket, and the other one wears a short jacket, more secular, more goyish, or whatever. So the one that wears a longer jacket is charging more money because the quality of his mezizah and his work is more because he's an Erlicher person. So he came to ask the Chaznish, is it really true? Um, should I, who should I buy from? So the Chaznish said, you should buy from the one with the longer jacket and pay more money. He says, really, Rabbi, is, is it that important to wear a long jacket that, that the quality of the mezizah really becomes worth more? He said, no. 
But if the guy with the shorter jacket has the option of putting on a longer one and charging more, and he doesn't, then he's a silly person. Don't buy from him. Now, obviously, it's only a vertical, and I'm not sure exactly what the Chaznish intention really was. But, yeah, there are people that could charge more money if they would be dressing differently, and they won't. That They don't feel comfortable like that. Now, it's funny, because when you look at the pictures of 50 years ago, everyone in the pictures dressed differently. People didn't associate then anything about themselves, any identity, with how they dress. As time went on, people do. And the people who can't stand that other people do, don't realize that they themselves do the same thing. Anyway, my, my point is just that... Um, Instead of understanding yourself, it's always good to understand the other person. So often we would want a spouse, or a child even, to dress a certain way, and we get so hung up on it, and we can't understand, why is it so important to you? Why can't you just do it? Instead of realizing the same reason why it's so important to you, and why it means so much to you, uh, that's how much it means to them. And most of us wouldn't be ready to make these kind of changes, and it's just, it's just important to, to realize it. You know, and and same, thing, same thing when it comes to children. We get stuck on why children can't dress a certain way, instead of realizing that they, they, they're just as stuck. It doesn't mean you have to let your child dress every way he wants. It doesn't mean that you don't have a say in how children dress, especially when they're younger, etc. There's something to think about. The Gemara says that, you know, I think it was, that called his, his um, clothing, Muna Mechaldisa. Right? The person is honored by how he dresses. We find halucha a lot of significance to how someone dresses. Right? We find the Gemara. In the olden days, there was a woman who would dress on different clothing when she was uh, a different in different periods of time, and, and you find that for, for Yomtev, you have to buy new clothing for a woman, to say, what do you care, and build your self-esteem, it shouldn't matter to you how you look, it's ridiculous. So we do find that clothing, and the way someone dresses, definitely has a lot of significance. So I'm just mentioning it, because I think it's important for women, to understand why husbands care, maybe, and why it means something to them, so much we dress nicely. I think it's important for husbands, to, to understand that some women, just don't feel comfortable, dressed a certain way, and, they, and they're very passionate, and very stuck on how they feel, dressed a certain way, and the same thing is the other way around, uh, when women expect husbands to be okay with dressing a certain way or presenting themselves a certain way, what do you care if, if your jacket is closed or it's open or what kind of hat you wear? You know, sometimes people give silly excuses about, I care because I... No, no, people do care. And that's just how it is. But like I said before, I do believe there's a healthy medium. And I do believe that wives should be pleasing husbands. And husbands should not be controlling wives. And with the right, respectful communication, I believe that this topic and every topic could work out in a nice way where people could really be... Uh, you know, wives could be being makayim the achray, Hashem lekayim talayichi, following a husband, but with a certain amount of flexibility, where they feel good about themselves, respecting each other, and living together. And I myself, b'hal achav shalom v'rayas.